To be a truly significant person, you need the right stuff in your heart. This message is the 10th in the series, 10 Lessons for a Life of Significance. The message is entitled, Pass It On. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, if you will, your teaching sheets. Just a quick reminder that this weekend is Baptism Weekend. If you haven't been baptized since becoming a follower of Jesus at all of our campuses, uh, right after every service, baptism is available. Just uh, look for the sign here in the Gaithersburg campus. It's to my right, your left. You'll see the various signs in the various campuses this morning for baptism opportunities. We're concluding today a series of messages, uh, our 10th message in this series uh, entitled 10 Lessons for a Life of Significance. I want to talk to you today about uh, passing it on. Say that phrase with me, passing it on. As we've been talking about in this series together, it's extremely important to realize that life can be lived at a variety of levels. There are a lot of folks that go through their entire life, as we've talked about, living at a level of survival, sort of making it day in and day out, hoping they make it for the next 24 hours or the next seven days. They live sort of hand to mouth. It's a consistent crisis for them, and that's not the best way and the right way to live. In fact, all of us live that way from time to time because crisis situations do arise for us, but it's not the the pattern of life that you want to live. God wants to move you beyond just a survival mentality and survival life. He wants to help you to experience a level of success at some level in life. That is, you're accomplishing some things and you're doing his will and fulfilling his purpose for your life and you're beginning to have some margin to your life, which is good, and all those things are great. But a lot of folks even stop beyond the survival level to the success level and think that's where life is uh, at, at its pinnacle and that's the highest form of living. But in fact, success is really not the highest form of life. There's a, there's a dimension of life that goes beyond that. And as I, I'm referring to it, the Bible does not use this word, but I'm referring to it as a life of significance. Jesus referred to it this way. You'll have life and have it more abundantly. John 10 verse 10. So the abundant life or the significant life. How do we experience a level of significance? And what is the difference between success and significance? A successful life involves things that happen to you. You accomplish certain things, and they're good things that happen to you, but significance goes beyond that. It's where something good happens through you to impact the world around you. And you can actually be significant without ever being successful as the world calls success. And significance is indeed the highest form of living, where you're actually being used by God to bless the world around you, not living just for yourself. To understand significance, we have to have some models, and we're looking in this series at a man by the name of King David. King David in the Old Testament was indeed a man who lived a very significant life. The Bible refers to him, God in fact referred to him as a man after his own heart. And so David had a heart after God. He was not a perfect man, but nevertheless, he had a heart for God, and he lived a life that was significant. We know that because we're still talking about David's life to this very day. He contributed by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the pages of Scripture. And so David indeed lived a very significant life. We're learning today about the latter part of David's life. As we come to the end of this series together, I want to draw your attention to the last years of David's life and what he did that made him so significant. He learned how to pass it on. If you're going to live a significant life, you have to learn how to pass on some good qualities of your life to others around you and to the generation coming behind you. And so I'm going to share with you three things today that will help you to understand what needs to be passed on. What do you and I have a responsibility to let flow through us to the world around us? And the first thing is that we need to pass on the right heart, the right heart. 
What's in your heart is very important. Your heart is referred to in the Bible as that innermost part of your being. And it really describes your priorities, your values. It describes what you're really living for. And everybody here today in all of our campuses, you're living for something. Everyone has something in their heart. It might be good. It might be bad. It might be right. It might be wrong. It may be, it may be uh, insignificant or it may be significant as we're talking about that term this weekend. But it, you have something in your heart. And if I were to sit down with you for a period of time and we were to have a conversation, we could find out what was in your heart. Eventually, you will talk about the things that are most important to you. And when David comes to the end of his life, he's been king of Israel for about 40 years, and we discover again, as we did all throughout his life, what was really on David's heart, because he's coming to those last moments, he's giving some of his last messages, he's sharing from his heart what's really important to him, and we see what he's passing on to the generation coming behind him. Let me take you to 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 1 and 2, and this is one of the final statements that David is making as he's wrapping up his life. He's turning over the kingdom to his son Solomon, and David speaks these words. David summoned all of the officials of Israel to assemble at Jerusalem, the officers over the tribes, the commanders of the divisions and the services of the king or service of the king, the commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of all the property and all livestock belonging to the king and his sons together with the palace officials, the warriors, and all the brave fighting men. So David brings all these folks together. And then verse two, David rose, King David rose to his feet and said, now here's his message, listen to me, my fellow Israelites, my people. I had it in my heart. Notice that he's about to tell us what's in his heart. I had it in my heart to do what? To build a house as a place of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, for the footstool of our God, and I made plans to build it. David unloads, unpacks for us what is in his heart, and David says, the very thing that's been on my heart, my adult life has been, and as I come to the end of my life, is to build a house as a place of rest where the ark of the covenant or the presence of God could reside. See, worship was extremely important to David, as we talked about last weekend, and he, he wanted a place in Israel that would represent a temple for the house of God, a place where the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy of Holies could rest that represented the presence of God in Israel. The one thing, the one thing in David's heart was to build God's house. That's what he wanted more than anything else. It's in my heart. I want to build God's house. It was his passion. We see this multiple times in Scripture where David articulates this passion. Let me take you to Psalm 27, verse number four, as he writes these words, the words of David. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. There's only one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. David said, the one thing that I want is to be in God's house forever. Psalm 84, verse 10 is not a psalm of David, but it does record the sentiments, I believe, of David when he writes these words, better is one day, or when, when the, the psalm writer writes these words, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper where? In the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. David was passionate about building a place where people could experience God's presence. He was passionate about that. And David's passion for God's house was downloaded. He didn't just keep it in himself. He downloaded it to the people around him, and he especially downloaded it to his son Solomon. He had something in his heart that he passed on to other people. 
Every one of us here today have something in our hearts, something that is most important to us, the dearest thing in our life. And whether you realize it or not, you are, you are communicating to people around you consciously or unconsciously what's most important to you. You're passing on your heart to others. That's why it's extremely important that you have the right heart. Because if you don't have the right heart, you'll communicate or pass on the wrong things to people around you. Because whatever is in your heart is going to be contagious. Whatever is in your heart is going to spread. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you're going to be, and if I'm going to be a truly significant person, you, I, we need to have the right stuff in our hearts. Jesus said something about this as well in terms of the content of our heart. What should be in our heart? Let me take you to Matthew chapter 5, and it's a part of what's called the Sermon on the Mount, and in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, Jesus helps us to understand what it means to be a part of his kingdom, and he makes this statement in the latter part here, or these verses, the latter part of the Beatitudes. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, say that word with me, saltiness, circle it on your notes, if it's there on your, on your notes, if you will. How, it, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus said there's some things that need to be in your heart that need to pass from your heart to other people. You need to have some saltiness in your heart. I'll define that word for you in a moment because I think there's probably a variety of definitions for that word, but I want you to understand what Jesus meant when he said it. You need to have some saltiness in your heart and you need to have some light in your heart that is spreading out of you to the world around you, that you're passing on the right heart to others. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. And if you lose your saltiness, you're, you're, you're not worth anything except to be thrown away. And so Jesus said, you need to have some salt in you so that salt flows through you to the world around you. What was he talking about when he said that you need to be a salty Christian? I know that, again, as I said, there's a variety of definitions for that word being salty. Let me give you the right definition. Are you ready? Okay. The right definition for salty is this. According to Jesus, salt helps us to understand how we're to live because salt does a number of things. Salt is an amazing mineral. It's an incredible thing. It's used to preserve food. As we as Christians, when we're salty in the sense that we have Christ living in us and the sense of his power in us, we are able to help preserve a society that's on its way to hell. We're able to provide preservation qualities to it. A salty person, according to Jesus, is one that flavors and seasons, adds something special to the environments around them. Salt transforms, salt heals. So Jesus said, you need to be a salty person in the sense that you're bringing preservation and you're flavoring the world around, me with, around you with my presence, that you're helping transform the world, that you're actually bringing healing to a broken world because salt, as Jesus defines it, changes us. It transforms us and transforms others. Jesus said, do you have salt in your soul? Do you have salt in your life? Is it flowing through you? And then he says, how about light? We're the light of the world. And so light obviously is something that shines and penetrates and, and actually disperses darkness. And so light has to be in your heart. And when light is in your heart, wherever you show up, light will be as well. We're the light of the world. You can't pass on a right heart unless you have a right heart. Jesus said, there has to be salt in you, the salt of my presence. There has to be light in you, the light of my presence. And that flows from your 
your heart to the world around you. You have to have a right heart. How do you get a right heart? How do you make sure that your heart is right so that you're passing on the right things to other people? David showed us how to do this. And there are really two things, I think, that, ha that, that are necessary if you're going to have your heart right. Number one, you have to ask God for it. You've got to seek God for a right heart. You can't just sit back and hope your heart's okay. You have to do some work on it with Jesus. And then you have to let him develop that heart inside of you over a period of time as you're growing and maturing. David said it this way in, in uh, Psalm chapter 19, verse, verse number four, 14, I should say. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing. Notice he's asking that his heart would be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. When was the last time you prayed to God for his help in dealing with your heart? The same thing in Psalm 51, verse 10, created me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Again, you see him praying that God would do a work where in his heart. Psalm 86, verse 11, another prayer related to the heart. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. And so David was asking God for the right kind of heart so that when he comes to the end of his life, his heart is in the right place. He's passing on the right heart to others. David wasn't a perfect man, but he was a man that sought to keep his heart right with God, and he passed on his heart for God's presence to Solomon, his son. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 17, Solomon himself is giving us these words, my father David had it in his heart to build a temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. So Solomon picked up the heart of David and completed the very work that God had assigned David to do by the building of the temple. Solomon knew what was most important to his dad. And you and I need to live such a life that everybody else around us will know what's most important to us. What's in your heart today? Let's just stop for a moment and ask ourselves that question. What is really in my heart? What is the most important thing to me? Do I really have a passion for God in my heart or is that passion sort of waned over a period of time and have I lost a bit of my passion? Is my heart really driven by a passion for God? Do I have love for other people in my heart? Do I really love people? Do I have a caring concern for other people deep inside of me? Am I moved by the needs of other people? Am I passionate about advancing God's kingdom, using my gifts and my talent and my resources to advance the kingdom of God? Is that really in my heart? Because what's in your heart gets passed on to other people. There's a second thing that I want you to note this morning. You need to pass on the right heart, but you also need to pass on the right example. An example is just a model that you look at. And all of us need to realize that we, we're called to be examples to other people. And oftentimes when we think of the word example, we think of something that is perfect. Being an example to other people doesn't mean that you're perfect. If it meant that you were perfect, none of us would qualify, correct? All of us would have to give up right now. Because there's not a single person in this room and any of our campuses today watching or, or being a part of this service. And no, no, nobody's perfect. Only Jesus is the perfect Messiah, the perfect one. But, but what, there needs to be something inside of us that is always seeking and striving to live the right way. 
The direction of your life is like, you know, when I see something in my life that is amiss, I'm going to address it. I'm not going to continue to go down a pathway that is contrary to God. I may not be perfect, but I'm pursuing perfection. I'm pursuing my growth in Christ. I'm seeking to live the right way. And when I fail to live the right way, I respond the right way to my failure. I recognize what I've done wrong. I repent of it. I turn from my sins and I learn some things in my journey. So I have some valuable lessons in my life to share with other people. That's what it, what it means to actually be a person who's setting the right example. David wanted Solomon because David is about to pass on the kingdom to Solomon. You got that, right? David's going to die. He's been the king for 40 years, and now he's coming to the end of his life. He's going to give this this responsibility of building God's house to Solomon because God told David, you can't build the house. You're, you're a man of war, but I'll let your son build the house. And so he's, he's in this journey to pass all these things on to that next generation. And part of what happens here is as David also, as, he, as he's about to pass this on to Solomon, he makes sure that Solomon understands the example that he needs to follow. We're back in First Chronicles chapter 28, and now I'm picking up with verse number 8 down through verse number 10. So now David is speaking to Solomon and, and all those around him. So now I charge you in the sight of all Israel and of the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of our God. Be Here's the example I want you to follow. Be careful to follow all the commands of the Lord your God that you may possess this good land and pass it, what? Pass it on as an inheritance to your descendants forever. And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house as a sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. David is again downloading all of this to Solomon. He's saying, Solomon, you need to set the right example. There's some things that I want you to be aware of, ways that you need to live. It's the direction of your life, what you need to pursue. And he, he gives six ways here. He talk, talks to Solomon about yielding his life to God and knowing God's nature, acknowledging God and making sure that he's serving God wholeheartedly, making sure that he's seeking God continually, developing that spiritual strength that he's going to need to be king and build the house of God and do that work that God had assigned him to do. All of these things are being downloaded to Solomon. They need to be downloaded to us as well. And after David talked to Solomon about the right kind of example, the right way to live, David did something incredible. He only does this after he downloads the right example to, to Solomon. And notice now in verses 11 and 12 of the very same chapter, 1 Chronicles 28, this next step that David takes after he's told Solomon the kind of life he's to live. Then, that is after he's done this, then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the portico of the temple, its building, its store, storerooms, its upper parts, its inner rooms, and the place of atonement. He gave him the plans of all that the Spirit had put in his mind for the courts of the temple of the Lord and all the surrounding rooms for the treasuries of the temple of God and for the treasuries for the dedicated things. So David starts with giving Solomon his heart. This is my heart to build the house of God. And now this is the way you need to live if you're going to do it. Here's the right example. And now that I've told you the right heart and I've told you about the right way to live, now I'll give you the plans. What I'm continuing to learn in my life is that the plans come after some things. All of us want the plan first, don't we? 
God, give me the plan for my life. Tell me what I'm supposed to be doing and, and make sure I'm on that track. God, I want your plan for my life. And what we need to remember is that the plan comes after things. So after we have the right heart and after we're beginning to live in the right way, then plans begin to unfold. David gave Solomon the plan after he talked to him about those two things. And I will tell you that in your, in your life, God's plans will become far more real to you, far more alive to you when you're getting your heart right when you're getting your life right, and then once you get your heart right and your life right, God will make sure you have the plan. He'll make sure you have the plan. David made sure that Solomon had that plan. He downloaded it to him after he'd communicated these other things to him. Paul the Apostle was very big on the importance of setting the right example. In fact, he writes to the Corinthian believers in 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Wouldn't that be wonderful if all of us could say that to the people around us, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So you pass on the right heart, you pass on the right example, and the third thing that we learn from David as he comes to the end of his life is we pass on the resources that empower other people. For all of David's adult life, he had one thing on his mind. He wanted to build a house for God, a temple in Jerusalem. That's what he desired to do more than anything else. Although he desired to do it, as I've already mentioned, Solomon was the one that would fulfill that vision. But David understood something. David understood, I've got this incredible vision to build the temple of God, and now I've got Solomon, but Solomon doesn't have all of the abilities to do what I know needs to be done. And so David did everything possible in his lifetime to pave the way for Solomon's success. He sets up Solomon to succeed by passing on resources that empowered Solomon to do what he needed to do. Let's go now to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. We've been in chapter 28. We're going to slip right over to chapter 29 now and see what happens. Again, we're at the end of David's life. He's doing all this talking, all this downloading, all this passing on. Then King David said to the whole assembly, my son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is, notice two words there, young and what else? Inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord. And so notice what happened. David gave Solomon his heart. This is what I want you to capture from my heart. Here's the example I want you to follow. Here are the plans. And now I'm going to make sure, because you're young and you're inexperienced, and by the way, the temple was a massive undertaking. I mean, you think about building a house for God. It's incredible to think about. And so the Bible says that Solomon, in fact, David acknowledged that Solomon was young and he was inexperienced. He didn't have the resources necessary to do what he was assigned to do because the task was great. Notice verse number two. With all my resources, David says, I have provided for the temple of my God, gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the setting turquoise, stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marble, all of these in large quantities. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God over and above everything I provided for this holy temple. 3,000 talents of gold, gold of Ophir, 
7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings, for the gold work and the silver work, and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? So let me stop for a moment. David says, I know, Solomon, you're young, you're inexperienced. You don't have the resources necessary to do the work that, I, that you've been called to do, but I have made sure that you're going to have everything necessary to get the job done. I'm providing for you. I saved all this up my whole life. And now as I'm dying, I'm giving all these resources so that you will be able to do the very thing that God is asking you to do. He's downloading to the next generation. He's passing it on. Verse number six says, then the leaders of the families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. So now he's inspired other people to give. They gave toward the work on the temple. Of God, 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. How much is that? It's a lot. That's all I can tell you, okay? Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel the Gershonite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. David poured out everything he possessed for the building of the temple. He held nothing back. And his example inspired other people to give as well. And you and I need to understand that if we're going to live a life of significance, we have to pass on resources to other people. I'm going to give you a word this morning that I want you to hold on to. God has called you to be a resourcer to others. I want you to say with me today, I am a resourcer. Say it with me. I am a resource. You might say, well, I don't, I don't have a lot to give. Well, yes, you do. God has promised you and given you and provided for you resources to pass on to people. There are, there are resources, valuable things in your life right now, and I will articulate them in just a moment, that God has called you and equipped you to share with other people and especially to the generation coming behind you. I wanna, I'm going to divert just for a moment and give you, a, I think, a very valuable part of this message uh, that has to do just with you and the resources that God has provided you. Jesus, when he died on the cross for us, paid the price for our sin, gave his life so that we could be forgiven, have newness of life, all the wonderful things that Jesus did for us on the cross rose from the grave to prove that he was the son of God. And then he spent 40 days with his disciples before he ascended back to the right hand of God the Father, ascended to heaven. He taught them many things about the kingdom, the Bible says. And so he's now getting ready. We get to that 40 day, 40th day period and he's getting ready to go back to heaven. And can you imagine being one of the disciples that you've been with Jesus for three and a half years, you've spent the last 40 days with the resurrected Christ, okay? Think about this. The living, resurrected Christ. You saw him crucified, now you're seeing him right here. You spent 40 days with the resurrected Christ. And now he says, I'm going back to heaven. What would you be feeling? Quite insecure, would you not, okay? Yeah, don't leave me now, Jesus, okay? What do you mean you're going back to heaven? So Jesus said, I got to go back to the Father. I, my purpose on earth is done, so I'm going to ascend back to the Father. And ultimately, he goes to the top of the Mount of Olives, and he ascends back into the heaven. The angels are there seeing him go, and the disciples will watch him go. But before he goes back, he knows the disciples are feeling inadequate. 
He knows they don't know how to handle this situation. He's going to be, at least from their perspective, gone from him. And then he says to them in Acts chapter one, verse eight, before I go, I want you to know this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, I want you to know this before I go back. I promise you, you're not going to be alone. I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you a resource. I may be back in heaven, but I'm still going to be with you right here on earth because you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and thereby you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. I'm glad that Jesus, when he went back, didn't leave us without some resources, aren't you? And just that second chapter of Acts on the day of Pentecost, just 10 days later, as they were in the upper room, 120 of them, and they were worshiping and praying and asking for God's grace and power to flow upon them in, in a sudden, suddenly moment. The Holy Spirit comes into that upper room and sweeps in like a mighty rushing wind. Tongues of fire sit on the top of every head of those. And that that was a day you didn't want to miss church, by the way, okay? You didn't want to miss church that day, okay? And those tongues of fire set down upon the heads of all those disciples. They begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. They spell out into the streets of Jerusalem and begin to speak of the mighty majesties of God. And 3,000 people come to faith in Christ. They knew God is still with us, okay? God is still with us. So I want you to know today that you've been resourced. Jesus didn't leave you without a resource. Peter speaks of this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of our God, and of Jesus our, our Lord. His divine power, you'll receive power. His divine power has given us what? Everything we need. Would you agree with me that's a resource? everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Notice verse four, through these, through all these blessings he's provided, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption and the world caused by evil desires. Jesus said, I'm going to make sure you have everything you need to be able to succeed in your spiritual journey, but go beyond success to have a significant life as you follow me. So dear one today, don't ever think that you don't have what you need to live for God. He's provided you everything that you need to live for him. The strength is available there for you. He resourced you just as David resourced Solomon. Jesus has resourced us. And now Jesus wants you to resource other people. See, this whole message, this whole series I gave you will not be important unless you get this last part. Because the whole series, 10 lessons on living a life of what? Significance. What is significance? Success is what happens to you, but significance is what happens through you. And so if you don't get this last part, you're not going to understand significance. Because significance now is talking about what's going to happen through you. How will you resource the world around you? How will you resource your family? How will you resource your children? What will you give to them? What will you pass on with your life? And quickly, let me share with you seven things that everybody here has the ability to pass on to other people. Seven ways that God can use you to make a difference in other people's lives. Anybody want to make a difference in somebody else's life? Do you? Okay. A couple of you do. That's great. I'm not sure about the rest of you, but at least least I got two with me this morning. That's awesome. Okay. Seven things you can share. Number one, share your presence with people. That's P-R-E-S-E-N-C, not P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. Okay. Not presence, but presence. It's a big difference in presence and presence. Sound the same, but very different. 
Your presence is just being with people. One of the greatest things that you can do that will help other people to feel and experience the life of Jesus through you is just being with them. Just being with people. Is that really important, Pastor? Let me ask you this question. Is God's presence to you important? Even when he's not saying anything to you, you just know I can sense the presence of God. He's with me. Does that make a difference in your life? It makes a difference when you do that with other people as well, whether it's your spouse or your children or people that God gives you opportunity to spend some moments of giving them simply your presence. Being with them is a very valuable thing. Everybody can do this. You've got to be present with people. On Friday night, my wife and I went out for dinner, and we have a pretty good habit that when we go out for dinner, we will uh, we'll always take our phones and kind of push them aside because there's a temptation to play with your phone. Anybody know what I'm talking about, okay, right? You don't have that problem? Okay, okay, that's great. So, uh, and so we kind of push our phones to the side so that we're not occupied with that, so we can actually pay attention to what, we can be present with one another, right? But I did something Friday night as I was sitting there with my wife. I started looking around the restaurant. There were probably, I don't know, maybe 10 to 15 couples, I'm guessing. This is just an estimate in the, in the, in the restaurant that night. And I looked around, and I would say 90% of them were not looking at each other. They were looking at their phones. I'm thinking, you're paying for this meal to be out with your spouse or your whatever. Okay? And you're spending your whole time like this. I'm serious. I'm serious. I mean, see, we live in a culture where we don't know how to be present with people anymore, okay? And so, as a valuable thing, if we could just simply know how to sit down with someone and be present with them, that would, that would be radically different from the world around us, right? You can do this. You can be present with people. It's a valuable gift that you give. Number two, give love to people. Share some love. The world desperately needs it. This is a very dark very hate-filled world. It's a very contentious world that we live in. Don't let the contentious spirit of the world get a hold of you. Amen? Okay? Don't let the contentions that are flying around our culture, don't let them get inside of you. God needs you right now. God needs you to be a source of communicating love to a very broken, divided, and messed up world. He doesn't need you to add to that. He needs you to bring some love into that. But the Bible says they will know that we are Christians by our opinions. No. They will know that we're Christians by our our love. And so God is looking. See, we're, we're the people of God in the earth. And if we act just like the world, then, the, 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 then we have nothing to give. And so in our culture, we need to not only be present with people, we need to bring bucket loads of love into the world around us, the kindness and the love and grace of God. Then number three, you need to make sure you're sharing your wisdom with people. I'm not talking about preaching sermons to other people. I'm just talking about in the midst of being present with people, share the lessons of your life. You might say, I don't have any wisdom. Yes, you do. You've learned some lessons along the way. There's some things that God has taught you, some valuable things that you can pass on to others. By the way, especially for your children, I would encourage you, especially as we think about this, be present with your children. Show love to your children. Give your wisdom to your children. Number four, make sure that you're sharing your time. Now, you might say, well, I thought you just talked about that, Pastor, in terms of being present. What about the time thing? Well, they're different. You can be present with a person. Your presence can be there with them. And you can be present with anyone for 30 seconds, right? I'm pretty good for about 30 seconds, right? But once it gets past the 30 seconds, I move back to my time, right? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. But can you be present with a person 
over an extended period of time? Can you give somebody not just your presence, but give it to them over a period of time? That is, you're, you're stretching it out. It's more than just a moment here or there, but it's a, it's a consistent part. Of, it's an investment that you're making in people. Research shows us today in today's world that if when you go to a website, this is the impatience of our world. When you load a brand new web page on your browser, that web page has a maximum of four seconds to download or else you will be clicking to some other place. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004, click, I'm gone. Because we want everything fast. The part of what helps us to experience people is to spend that time with them and to spend, give them our presence, our attention, and give that time because that's the most important. Your relationships are the most important thing in your life. When you are on your dying bed, you're about to breathe your last breath, what are you going to want surrounding you? Are you going to say, hey, bring me my checkbook. I want to see my balance. No. Hey, would you drive my car into the hospital room? I just got to touch it one more time. Please show me a picture of my house. No. When you're on your deathbed, you're breathing your last breath, the most important thing that you'll be looking for has nothing to do with material possessions. You'll be looking for people. And the people that will be there are the people that you were present with and the people that you spent time with, the people that you shared your life with. These are valuable. This is what we're talking about, passing on. You can't, you've got to pass on purposefully. Pass on purposely by being present, by loving, by being, giving your wisdom, by sharing your time. And then also number five, by, by sharing in service, serving people. I think we all have this tendency to want to be served rather than to serve. But Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you have to learn to serve other people. And it's an amazing thing that happens when you take an attitude of service. How can I bless you? Not what can you do for me, but what can I do for you? How can I be a blessing in your life? And that builds opportunity for you to share your wisdom and share the salt of Christ with them and to share the light of the world. Number six, make sure you share your material resources. That's why I'm so, so thrilled with, with all of you here at Church of the Redeemer that over this Thanksgiving holiday, you, you shared your material resources with people that were in need. It's a great way to live. We, re we heard it earlier in our video announcements that Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so God has given you material resources. Share those. You can't meet every need that will come your way, but you, you should meet the needs of the house of God, and you should meet the needs of the people that God will bring into your, your, your life that he's calling you to be a blessing to. So you share that. And then the last statement I will give you here is just live to give. Just live to give. and every, Let it become the motto of, of your life. I live to give. I live to give. I live to give. What I'm doing is I'm learning how to be a, a passive own person to the people around me. David comes to the end of his life, and we come to the end of our series. As David came to the end of his life, and as we come to the end of our series, there's one final lesson I want to give you, and that's the lesson, pass it on. Say it with me. Pass it on. Don't let it stop with you, because significance is not significance unless it flows through you to the people around you. Let's pray together. Father, we love you today. Thank you for your word. We're grateful for the word of God, how it speaks to us. We pray you'll take this message and let it find deep residence in our hearts. Help us to apply the lessons we've learned today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.
I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out and you become a new creation. All things pass away, all things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.